Amen. Let's give them a round of applause once again. Choir, orchestra, band, singers. And um, I'm going to just share a few words with you, and then they're going to come back and sing a couple more songs for you. But, um, you know, as we do this, I realize there's always, you know, the feeling of some, not, not very many, but some, that, wow, you know, we're, we're here to worship God, and now we're kind of worshiping the country, but we're not. You know, more than anything else, Christians ought to be grateful, right? Grateful for great singing, grateful for a good sermon, if you ever hear one. But really grateful for those who have passed before us and gave their hearts and their lives to this country so we could enjoy the freedom. The Bible says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And so we're giving thanks. We're giving recognition. We're saying a big thank you for those who have served our country, who continue, by the way, to serve our country in so many ways. But, you know, as we look at this and listen to the song that, you just, that uh, Chris just sang for you just a few moments ago, somebody died for me, and that's the reason my life was changed. You know, you and I can enjoy political freedom the way we do here in this country without really enjoying freedom on the inside, and that is the most precious thing. There are people here among us that are wrestling with an addiction. Your freedom has brought you to make some poor decisions in your life. Others are victims of, and they feel in bondage to a job, a dead-end job. Others, marriage problems. Others, your children, maybe have made decisions in their life that are making your life miserable and haunting you in this life. And so we cry out in our heart, as somebody died for me, as my life needs to be changed on the inside, and I need to have freedom on the inside. But I know that there's also people here this morning that are thinking, well, you know, I'm here and I came for the 4th of July celebration or a friend of mine invited me and I'm not even sure I need rescuing. I don't know if I need somebody to really die for me and set me free. I don't feel necessarily in bondage. And so I want to ask a couple of questions this morning. I want to read a passage and then ask some questions. Number one, um, do we, what condition are we in? Where are we right now? Secondly, what did God do for us? And thirdly, how do we respond? Listen to these words. Jesus was saying to those Jews who believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And they answered, we are Abraham's descendants, and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say, we, we need to become free? Well, here we have a situation like maybe many in our world today. Wow, you know, what do you mean? I'm an American. You know, what do you mean? I'm God's child. You know, I was born, to, into, this, born into this world, so that, that does give me some privilege. And you're, sometimes we're just as confused as the people were back in the Bible and vice versa. But Jesus said, you shall know the truth. The truth shall set you free. So from the very mouth of God, it seems that we need, there's a need here for freedom because there's some sort of bondage. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who commits sin is the slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does not remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. So the first question, how is it that we need to may, be made free? Are we really, <clears throat> and really in all that much bondage? Well, I know that we've honored our, those that are in service and have been in the armed services. 
But I'd like to also just say a word to our first responders who keep us free every day. And I want to introduce to you somebody who's going to help me a little bit with this illustration, Daniel Mattingly, who's coming to represent those first responders. And so let's give him a round of applause, shall we? And uh, Daniel is uh, part of the Oviedo Police Department. And as you can see, he's really decked out for us this morning. I've asked him to do this. He's got the Kevlar vest, and so he's protected. And then uh, you've got all kinds of different equipment on you right now. What, what is this right here? This is a taser. This is a taser, okay? Yep. And some of, you, I mean, some of you out there are thinking, ooh, boy, that hurts. And so, uh, <laughs> tough crowd. They laughed at the first one, first hour, didn't they? Okay. Just don't have Herb here this morning. Now, uh, this, this uh, contraption over here, what is that? This is my gun. And that's your gun, and it's, it's loaded. Always. Always. All right. So I feel protected. Don't you feel protected here? And, uh, but you also have some other things. What else yep. can you show us? We have handcuffs. Ah, uh, handcuffs. Now, what do you use these for? Uh, anytime we uh, restrain a, an arrestee or a suspect. Okay. So a suspect, and they may have committed a crime. You, you don't maybe know for sure, but there's a reason why you think they, they did, yes, sir. right, and so, well, let me try those on. All right. You do have a key to these. Oh, good. All right, great. And so, um, well, these are a lot heavier than that Mattel brand um, I had back when I was seven years old. A lot more weight to these. Okay, now, you know, we've had magicians here in the church before, and they get behind the cloth or whatever, and they take these things off, and there's really, there's kind of no way to do that. I can see that. These are really heavy. That'd really hurt if you, if you could get it off. And so you can't get it off. This is, um, what's, what's this made out of, steel or something? Yeah. Yeah, steel. So you can't really break it unless you're the Incredible Hulk or, some, or something. But you do have a key. Yes. Right. Now, I also have a key. And, uh, in fact, one's in my pocket. It goes to my study right back here. Uh, will that fit it? No. Only a special okay. key. Only a special key. One key. But, hey, y'all remember that. One key. Okay, let's try that then. Let's try to get me out of this a little bit. Okay, hey, wow. That's pretty good. All right. Can I, can I have that just in case? Yeah. Okay, thanks. Okay, let's give Daniel a round of applause, all right? Thank you for helping us. Now, uh, as, as I look at this, you know, I've still got one on my wrist here. You know, you think to yourself, okay, um, Wow, you know, I was arrested. I was just a suspect. You know, I was, they, they found out somebody else did it, so I was set free. Maybe I'm a suspect, but am I, am I really a criminal? Am I really one that has done any sin? The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, we have a tendency to think to ourselves, well, I'm not as bad as the, the next guy. You know, I, I may have been speeding, you know, going 80 miles an hour, but somebody else is going 90. I mean, they passed me. Why did they stop me? They were, you know, somebody else past me. We're always thinking somebody has done worse than us. So we say, okay, we're suspects, but are we really guilty? Well, many times when I share Christ with people, they say, well, I'm not that bad. I mean, I, I keep all the commandments. I think I'm going to heaven because I keep all the commandments. Okay, let's check that out. The Ten Commandments. That's not the only commandments, by the way, in the Bible. There are many different rules, many different commandments, and of course, God decides what's a sin and what's not a sin. But one of the commandments, first one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Have you ever put anything ahead of God? Have you? I know I have. I probably have this week. 
I probably thought about something else that was more important than, than either. in fact, I got probably at some point in the last month a little bit, a little bit miffed at God because things didn't go my way. Well, that's just saying that whatever I wanted to go my way was more important than, than God. And what about the second commandment? It's even worse. Thou shalt make no graven image, no idol. You say, well, that's me. I don't make any, I don't have any statues around. And so I haven't broken that commandment. But idolatry has to do with putting something else in your life on a more permanent basis in your life more important than God. And let's face it, we've all done that. Some of us have done that with our children, some with our, our parents perhaps, but oftentimes with our children, with our spouse, with our job, with the success. You think the idol in my life is success. I just got to, I can't fail. I just, I can't fail. And boy, when the when things happen back in 2007 and 8 and 9 and things begin to fall, the economy, oh, I, yeah, I did fall apart back then. I, I did because of all the losses. Why? Because you, you put that before God. Well, we can move on. Keep the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Many of us have broken that one. The Bible says, honor your father and your mother. Who can say that they've always, 100% of the time, always honor, honored your father and mother, showed them respect, and lived in such a way that you honored them. No one. No one can do that. The Bible says don't lie. Well, if you're married, you've done that, you know. <laughs> I mean, come on, you know. How do I look in this dress? Wonderful. You know, that kind of thing. <clears throat> Are you really attracted to the guys losing their hair? Oh, I've always wanted to be married to a guy like that. So, you know, always, you know, we're always always telling little things to make people feel better, and sometimes big, you know, whopping lies as well. The Bible says don't commit adultery, and yet Jesus said you've done that in your heart. And what about the very last commandment? Have, don't covet anything. Well, we've coveted things. Who hasn't gone through maybe a neighborhood or a very rich neighborhood and said, Woo, boy, I'd love to, love to have that house. I'd love to have that uh, house over there. I'd love to have that car. And we've coveted other things. You see, if we were to be honest with ourselves... Really, we've broken all the commandments. And so the Bible says that if you commit sin, it says you are a slave. Verse 34, you, he who commits sin is the slave to sin. What happens? It begins, sin is like a cancer that grows within us. It just keeps getting worse and more addictive and more addictive and more addictive. The story of the blacksmith who appeared before his king, the tyrant king. And the king said, I want a chain. And I want you to go out and make the longest chain you've ever made. And so he goes out and brings the chain back to the king. And it's very long. And the king says, go out and make it twice as long. So weeks later, he comes back with this humongous chain. He says, go out, the king says, and make it twice the length again. The chain was so long, he had to have people to help him carry it in. And he proudly presented it before his king, his lord, and then the king said, now I want the rest of my servants to bind the man with his own chain. Each link represents sin in our life. The tyrant is the devil himself. He says, just go deeper, just go deeper. You can work yourself out. This is, you know, life is not worth living unless you do this. And further and further and further you go, and pretty soon you're under bondage. And maybe nobody can see the cuffs. Maybe they're behind your back somewhere. But you know there's bondage there. Jesus said the truth shall set you free. So what's the truth? Well, in our nation, the truth is many people have come 
and died for us. During the Revolutionary War, 8,000 people died. In the Civil War, the largest, uh, the, the biggest time of all of losing American lives in a war, 620,000 people died. World War I, one, 117,000 plus. World War II, over 400,000. Korean War, over 36,000 people lost their lives. The Vietnam War, 58,000 plus so soldiers lost their lives. Persian Gulf War, 383 died. Iraq War, 4,287 died. And finally, the Afghan War, over 2,000. These people were the key. They died for us. Freedom was on the line, and so they paid the price. There's someone else that we talk about every week that paid a price for us for our spiritual bondage. His name is Jesus Christ. He says, the truth shall set you free. What is the truth? Jesus said to his disciples right before he died on the cross, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He says, I am the key. Just like Daniel said, only one key is going to fit this cuff, his handcuff. Only one. Now, I don't know why we think that there are many, many different keys to heaven when there's usually only one key per lock. It's, it's made in, in a certain way to unlock something in a certain way. And God has established what is sin, and God has established how he's going to pay for it, how someone is going to have to pay for that, and that someone he wants to be Jesus Christ in your life. And when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible tells us God demonstrated his love toward us while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us, and he hung there on the cross. His blood was shed for us. The Bible says without the shedding, scriptural term, I guess, shedding, without the relinquishing of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Why? Because the life of the flesh is in the blood. So Jesus, his blood was a symbol of life being poured out for us. As he was six hours on that cross, taken down, placed in a, in a borrowed tomb, and then rose again from the grave, it proved that he was the Son of God. It proved that Christianity was true, and it solidified and declared that what Jesus did on the cross for you was real, and it was enough payment for the sin, your sin, my sin, and the sin of the whole world. That's the key. And so what do we do? How do we apply the key to our life? Well, it's not a works. You know, as I said a few moments ago, you can't, you know, I can work and work and work my way out of this. And I can even kid myself that I'm making progress. But I'm not. And there's no way out unless I use the key. The Bible says that by grace, God's undeserved favor toward us, we were saved, and that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not of works lest any person can boast or brag about it. You see, if, if I didn't need Jesus to rescue me and to save me, then I would be my own rescuer. I save myself, and therefore, I'm the object now of my own worship. But God says we cannot put any other gods before him. No other gods, no other idols, including myself, and including working for my own salvation. And the only way is to receive the free gift that God has to offer us. One key. Let's see if I can... Uh, in fact, there's not only one key, but there's one, really one kind of combination. And I'm not able to do this again. Oh, I did it. One key, one combination. You have to twist it a certain way and twist it another way. One key, 
One basic combination to get out of this bondage. One key to getting out of the spiritual bondage that you and I experience. And, and it's kind of it's like unknown. I remember when I received Christ when I was 16 years old, I could never think about, I, I could have never imagined the guilt that was lifted from my shoulders. I can, I can never imagine the victory that I felt inside. All I knew was I needed rescuing. I needed salvation. And I was willing to surrender my life in order to do that, even though I, I just didn't feel like life was going to be worth living at. I just thought life was going to be boring, you know, playing harps all the time. I didn't know, but I could never imagine the freedom that was involved in that. Stories told about um, an Arab, Arab chief tells a story of a spy who was captured and then sentenced to death by a general in the Persian army. And this general had a unique way of doing the executions. He would bring the, the spy out, and then he would give them a choice. He said, he would say, you can go before the firing squad, squad or go through the black door. And almost everyone, including this spy told in this story, chose the firing squad. And so they asked the general, what's behind the black door? And he said, freedom. But the unknown scares people so bad, so badly, only a few have the courage to go through the door. Do you have that kind of courage today? To say, look, I'm surrendering my life. I'm coming to the cross. I'm getting forgiveness of my sin. I'm going to be set free in my life. And I'm going to follow Jesus. Would you do that? Could you make that decision today? With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to give you that opportunity today to do just that. This morning, you want to be set free. You want to have the freedom that you feel from your guilt, freedom that you feel from any addiction in your life, freedom from whatever is going through your heart right now. Would you trust Christ now to set you free? By praying this prayer with me silently, as I pray aloud. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for going to the cross and dying there for my sins. I open up my heart's door. I ask you to come in and set me free. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for setting me free from bondage. Thank you for setting me free to live, to give me a future and a hope. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, let me just ask you to do something. Um, you receive this card as you walk through the door this morning, and there's a place on the front where you need to fill out the front of it. But then over on the back, it says, my decision today. It says, I've decided to surrender my life to Christ and begin a personal relationship with him. And so if you've not filled out the front of the card, let me encourage you to put at least enough information where we can get in touch with you, your name, your phone number, and then on the back, if you decide to follow Jesus today, make sure you put a little check in that box. And then just a few moments, we're going to be passing the offering plate. And so as the offering plate is passed, just put the card right in the plate. That'll be your offering to us today. All right, let's pray. Fathers, we prepare now to receive the offering. God, we ask you to bless those who give. But God, I also pray that you would bless those who've made decisions today. Bless those who want to uh, give us a prayer request or something else is going on in their life they need to share. I pray they would feel free to do that. But especially those, Lord, that receive Christ in their heart, or maybe there is no decision today, but they just 
They're visiting with us. They're our guests today. And we just want a record of their visit. I pray they would fill out the card as well and give us the opportunity to minister to them at some point in the future. And Lord, we look to you, thanking you, Lord, for a great nation that we live in. Thank you, Lord, for the freedoms that we enjoy and the freedom in Christ that will continue forever. In Jesus' name, amen. As the ushers come and receive the offering, let me just um, share with you that um, we praise God that you're here today. It's uh, wonderful that you're here. And uh, after the service, I'm going to be across the atrium in the hospitality center. If you're our guest today, please come by and just say hello. You, you brought a guest, please come by and introduce them. It won't take but just a couple of minutes uh, to do that. Uh, don't forget about the commemorative pen for those of you who are um, served during the Vietnam War. And during that time period, please go back there and pick up your pen as well. And so now we have a brief video of a couple of announcements, and then the choir is, and choir and orchestra are going to finish out the service for us, for us with a finale.